everybody, it's Trags, and this week on Red Sox Beat, I go outside the box just a little bit and outside New England to bring you, I think, one of the most unique voices in all of baseball, someone I get to listen to every night on TV for Valley Sports Ohio, covering the Cincinnati Reds here in Cincinnati. His name is John Sadak. You can follow him on Twitter, and you should, John Sadak, J-O-H-N-S-A-D-A-K, all one word. Uh, John, this is a pleasure for me because uh, ever since you started uh, in April with the, uh, actually March, right? The last day of March, was it? Or April 1st, uh, opening day with the Reds. Um, It's been uh, quite a journey. It has. Uh, This is the culmination of a a lifetime's worth of work to have a major league chance. These jobs are so precious and so rare and uh, just don't come open. And uh, it's something I, I really did not think would ever happen. And I'm delighted that I'm here talking with you right now. What was the background leading up to it? Uh, tell us a little bit about the last couple of years, because, you know, talk to Will Fleming about, uh, you know, the work he did toiling in the minor league system. I'm sure you did the same. Yeah, he and I were together in both A-ball and in AAA. Uh, he was with the Nationals Club at Potomac. I was with what was most of that time a Royals team at Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, Then he moved up to Indianapolis with the Pirates before he went to Pawtucket. Um, I had spent that time with the Yankees AAA team in Scranton. And uh, and to be honest, after 15 years for me in minor league baseball, um, which I I adored and I loved, I was married, I had a child, uh, and our daughter was becoming very aware of how much I was gone. Yes. Um, So 2017 was my last year in minor league baseball. Uh, Our team hosted the triple a championship game and the day after that i was home um my family was living in wilmington delaware still i was up in scranton it's about a three to three and a half hour ride with traffic depending uh i had not seen my daughter in three plus weeks Mm -hmm. and uh, i went in to kiss her goodbye she was going off to pre-k and she latched a hand onto each cheek yanked my nose right up against hers and said dad be home more and uh and that really, that stabbed me right in the heart. And uh, I sent my resignation resignation letter in uh, the next day. Um, I was out of baseball entirely in 2018. 2019, I filled in for the Mets on radio. Yep. Uh, the rough plan is that I was going to fill in for both the Mets and the Yankees in 2020, but the pandemic hit. Um, and I went almost a year with no work, uh, no money. And, uh, and then this opportunity came up. What a story. That's a phenomenal story. And it's one of perseverance because we all have heard the story, right, John, about the players who go through hell to try and realize their major league dream. And the bus rides are epic. Obviously, some of the hotel rooms are epic. um, And the stories in those uh, hotels on the road and in the minor leagues. Uh, But you don't often hear what the the announcers go through. And everybody's going to say, or a lot of people are going to think, well, you know, he's fortunate to be doing what he loves to do. And, you know, that's just part of it, uh, part of toiling away in the minor leagues, but it's still, it's something I went through it and I told Will this, uh, I was with the Watertown Indians for three years, uh, in the New York pen. I did play by play there. I helped out with the Canton Akron Indians back in the day in, uh, I believe that would have been, um, oh, what league is that? John Help me out. The double, uh, it was, it was the double A league, uh, double A affiliate of the, uh, Cleveland Indians. So, uh, Eastern League. It was Eastern League. And uh, so I, I can relate with what guys like you go through. But for me, 
it was a matter of, I'm just going to move on to something else. And that's when I just, you know, we talked before we started recording this about uh, what brought me to Boston. And what brought me to Boston was my desire uh, to, you know, force getting to a big market on myself. And that's why I think your story is so, you know, compelling, for lack of a better word. Now, one of the reasons I'm having you on, John, is because when I listen to your broadcast, and, you know, now we live in the 21st century, you can listen to any, pretty much any broadcast uh, anywhere, thanks to MLB.com, and your, A, your enthusiasm, and B, your ability to integrate every bit of minutia that you research into your broadcast and make it consumable for the viewer is is amazing to me. And I call you TR Sadak, Total Recall Sadak. And it's just, it's amazing. And I'm just, I wanna get an idea from you how you make integrating all of the statistics that you research day after day after day into your broadcast. How do you do go about doing that? Um, well, well, the truth is I don't use probably 80% of the stuff that I have. That's um, unbelievable. Because it doesn't fit. Right. Um, yeah, it's uh, and I try not to overload the viewer. And I, I know that there is no true sweet spot. You're always going to have some fraction or segment of your audience that thinks it's too much or too little or or contrived or insincere or whatever. Right. Um, so what I try to do is I, I really picture it as what would I want? What do I want to hear when I'm in a broadcast? And uh, so I try to give um, not just data, but, you know, human stories or, you know, some kind of parallel or a pop culture joke or just whatever I think fits and feels in that moment. And, and sometimes the thing that fits best is nothing. Sometimes the thing that fits best is silence and that sound. Um, but I, I have everything written down between a combination of my scorebook um, I have a running word doc on each team. So to be honest, that's something I'm still kind of learning mm -hmm. uh, because my first year in the majors, I'm able to use certain information and certain comparisons and allegories that just don't work in minor league baseball. You can't reference doing the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders or the Wilmington Blue Rocks. You can't reference some player or moment or game or run from 1997 and have immediate true association among the fan base. It just doesn't, people, there aren't that many people that follow it that way. In Major League Baseball, I can bring up the 97 Reds, or I can bring up a comparison to a significant Hall of Fame player of another franchise, and it can lead down a different kind of a path. Um, so I'm still learning how to organize and use that information. And I, I think that's something that every game, every moment, every play, I'm, I'm still very malleable and I'm kind of changing my point of view on it. So obviously 10 years ago, even we didn't have baseball savant. We didn't have uh, baseball. Uh, we didn't have fan graphs. We didn't have uh, what other site would you say you use the most in terms of doing your data, your research? Um, well, we have some proprietary stuff that uh, Bally sports, Ohio affords us access to. So we use sport radar. Uh, we use remarkable, um, and, and they're, they're basically by association, they pull data from a lot of those same sources, but they're able to populate it in a way that, uh, what's most interesting and put it in direct context within relation to that position group or within his era or within a certain sphere of, of years, um, that, that makes it, you know, significant. 
and you also have, and I'm sure you'd be happy to uh, give props to the producers behind the scenes, as any play-by-play -play announcer would do, uh, especially at the major league level. Uh, you have Joel Luckoff, who does uh, a pretty incredible job behind the scenes, helping you do a lot of Reds research, I'm sure, because he knows just so much. And and uh, you also have a tremendous producer at Bally Sports Ohio. You, you have a lot of guys behind the scene helping you out. Yeah, I mean, TV, I've always said this, and I really believe it. Sports television is a team sport. And that, to me, is the biggest difference among the many between radio and TV. And I've been lucky, and I've really enjoyed working in both. Radio is, is almost exclusively the play-by-play -play person's medium. You know, rarely, particularly in baseball, do you even have an analyst who is an accomplished player or coach. It's usually another play-by-play -play person that's doing it with you. Right. Um, where TV, it's so communal. It's everybody working together. And that's where I'm incredibly fortunate that uh, there is such a legacy within this Reds broadcast. You know, mm -hmm. Most of our crew members in every regard, from you know our A1s to our camera folks to the, everybody in the truck, TD and graphics, and they've been doing this for decades decades so they have immediate frame of reference for all these moments that you know they can pitch something or they can just suggest a shot to our director or and then our producer can get in my ear and 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 joel uh, joel luckup is our lead statistician yes. and he is not only brilliant uh but he's a multiple times published author on red's history and he's created his own excel-based series of spreadsheets that he can give instant historical perspective on what any accomplishment is for any one player or the team within the context of the franchise. Perspective and context. To me, again, John, what, what impresses, and speaking with John Sadak, the uh, tremendously talented, gifted, and enthusiastic TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds for Bally Sports Ohio, uh, what impresses me is giving context and perspective with all of the data that's out there now and making sure that when you use it, when you're on the air with Reds Hall of Famer Barry Larkin, you throw it out there and then you allow him to give some context to it, right? Yes, and, and that still is part of the working uh, element for me is working with three different primary partners. You know, mm -hmm. Lark and I are together for all the home games. Most of the road games are with Chris Welsh, who has been the, the standard analyst on this package for three decades and then i'm with cowboy jeff brantley you know this series right now is we're recording this we're together for the royal series and the they each proud mississippi team. state alum i might add that's very true yes national champs first team national title in a program history and he'll, he'll gladly regale all tales of, uh, of greatness sorry to um, interrupt go ahead but but you know they all have their own strengths and uh so i'm learning what they like how they like to talk about it, you know, what they're readily able and eager to expand upon. Um, and, and also where I can fit in the non-baseball stuff, you know, what plays with each one of them to make it loose, to make it fun. Um, and they're all a treasure and they're all fantastic to be with. Uh, but yes, I mean, I think that's one of the luxuries of being on TV in major league baseball, as opposed to radio or pretty much any position you could be in the minors is, you know, these are tremendous ambassadors for the game who have instant credibility and who know things that I'll never know. I, I learned something sitting next to each one of them every single game. Speaking with John Sadak, the TVT, uh, TV 
the TV play-by-play voice, there it is, of the Cincinnati Reds for Bally Sports Ohio. Hey, sports fans, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season in full swing now, of course. You can track all of the action at Bet Online. Get all of the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and yes, of course, UFC, MMA action. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device, of course, and take advantage of their 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on all the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Back with John Sadak, the TV play-by-play voice of the Cincinnati Reds for Bally Sports Ohio. Follow him on Twitter at John Sadak, all one word. Do you do much on uh, Instagram? I know you said uh, you'd like to get back in uh, doing that once you get back to travel, which you're not doing yet, I guess. Yeah, it's, uh, I struggle while we're doing these games from the studio with right. images that would be really compelling or interesting to folks. Uh, my life is pretty mundane right now. You know, I'm, I'm living in a small apartment down near the ballpark and where our studio is, and I pretty much go A to B to A to B to A to B every right. single day. Yeah, I'm sure it's, you know, not the easiest thing in the world. I, I'm sure it hasn't been easy doing these games uh, off a TV monitor, which is obviously what you're doing uh, on Monday night. Of course, the Reds uh, had their fifth straight uh, come from behind win. First time since, I believe, what, 1995 that that has happened. Uh, the Reds have had five straight come from behind wins. And of course, they won the division that year. That was the last year, John, I'm sure you know this by now, uh, that the Cincinnati Reds won a postseason series. Indeed. And, uh, and I, I think there's a decent chance that this bunch, you know, could erase that. They still have some climbing to do in their division. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, calling games off a monitor is a challenge. Uh, it's hardest in baseball, in my opinion, in reading fly balls, because you, you learn, oh, right. you know, this, you know, when you're a play-by-play guy, you don't watch the swing, you watch the outfielder sure. and, uh, and the setup off a monitor it's, it's mixed. It's very difficult to get depth and feel for that off of a monitor. Um, but it helps for me that, you know, my, a lot of my national work in the fall and the winter time, mm-hmm. I did three college football games, two NFL games, including a playoff game and, uh, and almost all of my college basketball outside of the NCAA tournament off of a monitor. And, you know, comparatively basketball is by far the easiest sport to do that in, but just those repetitions, learning how to deal with the delay, learning how to deal with screen images that may freeze or hiccup from time to time, that prepared me immensely. If, if I had gone exclusively into baseball without any of that prior monitor experience, I think the first month would have been a lot rougher. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it would have been, but uh, you know, you're a pro and you are able to figure things like that out. Um, over the weekend, I got to tell you, John, and I, I saw you at uh, Great American Ballpark on the third and the fourth, uh, I was covering the Cubs for MLB.com to see Great American Ballpark full, certainly on Friday night for fireworks night and even Saturday and Sunday, very good crowds, lively crowds, of course, because there was a lot of Cubs fans uh, on hand for all three games. Um, you compare that with what I went through and everybody 
you know, back in the Boston media went through a year ago uh, at Fenway, watching the Red Sox work out. The season, of course, hadn't even started yet. Uh, and it was just so surreal, eerie almost, and watching the players play in an empty ballpark. To, to have got, come this far, um, I think we're very lucky and fortunate to have baseball back. I would totally agree. And, uh, and I think I would agree with you also that, you know, this last series represented that first flush feel of what we remember, of what those epic, you know, divisional battles, a full, full ballpark that is just brimming with energy. There is a tangible feel to what is immaterial. You know, that, that there is a sense of power to the presence of the fan. And I think the Reds were on the other end of it when they were in San Diego. Yes. The Padres had their reopening day, had their first 100% capacity. Reds got swept in that first game. You know, the Reds had roared back. They hung four on the board in the ninth inning. India hit that huge home run. And their fans, the Padre fans, seemingly willed them to that comeback. Eric Hosmer said after the game that he did not think they would have rallied, nor would he have hit that home run without the energy from that full stadium. It's, it's a real component, and it's part of what makes live sports so compelling. It's what makes it great. You know, um, with regard to that, um, you know, to, to watch – uh, Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker on an everyday basis. They are two baseball superstars, really under stars right now, maybe not superstars. Maybe that's a little bit of the uh, big red machine uh, influence coming in and prejudice coming out right now, but they're certainly stars of the game. They're young stars. They're up and comers. Uh, Nick Castellanos has been around a few years with the Tigers and Cubs, but uh, Jesse Winker, see those two beat out Mookie Betts in all-star voting in the outfield shocked me. Yeah, I mean, they're deserving. They should have. Yeah, they are, but it's still, yeah. you know, you consider it's Mookie, and we know how big Mookie was out in Boston. Yeah. And he goes to L.A. He uh, is on a World Series team for the second time in three seasons, right? And I just, I was surprised, even though Jesse and Nick are having great years, to watch them um, you know, rise above and beat out Mookie in all-star balloting just impressed me, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think there's a combination of, number one, their numbers are just their numbers. I mean, their numbers right. at the time of voting were elite and more than deserving. But I also think the other piece to it is that uh, this Reds team and those two leading at the four of it, they are a compelling watch. I, I think, to, you know, to your point, what MLB.TV has done for the baseball fans, and allowed you to consume so much more, such a wider world than we ever, you know, were privy to before. If you were to just spin the wheel on random MLB team of the night, I don't know that there are that many teams that would give the, the unsuspecting, you know, random viewer a consistent, compelling watch the same way these Reds do. They, they are plucky. They are fun. There is a looseness about them. That whole let the kids play mentality is embodied by this I'm team. For that. You know, the, the Padres are at the fours. They should be because they're super talented and they were expected to win a lot. Where Cincinnati, I think, nationally has been viewed as this dark horse. And this team wears that with a badge of honor. They embrace it. Go ahead. Doubt us. Put us in the, the middle of the pack. Don't believe in us. They, they use that as fuel. They feast on that. And, uh, and, and I think there is a little bit of magic to, to how this team has won when they've won. 
and even how they've lost at times in the fight that they demonstrate. And I think Castellanos and Winker embody that. And I, I think the casual fan watches for a couple of games or even sees the highlights. I think that comes across. So I think uh, there have been a couple of great moments in the first half of the year for the Reds. But when the Reds looked a little bit dead in the water in that Monday night makeup game a week ago against the Phillies and Castellanos came up to the plate, and connected for the Grand Slam. I thought, to me, that was the best moment of the first half so far. And really, ever since that moment, yes, they lost the first two games to the Padres before coming back uh, in heroic fashion on Thursday night and winning that game. But that, that Grand Slam, to me, was a, a pivotal moment for the Reds. Yeah, I think, I think there have been so many. I, I would echo that. I mean, I think his flex, you know, right from the get-go yeah. – against St. Louis is certainly one of those genuine moments. Winker having two, three home run games and getting clearly overtly emotional afterward and just bearing his soul and being so honest about it and relatable. Um, yeah, I, I think there have been such a sequence of those types of moments. And, and that's, that's the allure of live sport. It is truly unscripted drama. You know, we are in the golden age of produced television and to some extent film. There's, amazing fictional content out there some of which is based loosely in reality and it's awesome and i i love pop culture and i love all of it but nothing can replicate the the sense of awe of wonder of of true chills that live sport can produce because it is that last um it's that last unpredictable element that nobody can see coming and you just enjoy it. You bask in it. Sometimes you, you know, you, you, you cry at it. It depends upon how it goes for your respective team or player, but it's, it's, it, it draws out that authentic humanity. Well, to your point, John, it is to me. And I told my sister this last night when I was complaining about my cable being out, um, <laughs> um, sports is single-handedly keeping, um, I, I don't oh, cable or uh, traditional TV alive. And, and it's why so many of these networks are spending literally billions of dollars for the rights because they realize the lifeblood that these live sports are. I happen to believe, John, that while people are concerned about the CBA expiring at the end of this uh, Major League Baseball season, this time I do think that both sides realize they're not going to kill the golden goose. A deal is going to get done. You agree? I certainly hope so. I, I certainly hope so. I, I tend to be a more optimistic person. Um, and, uh, and perhaps I hope, I think the augmentation of the existing CBA to get through the pandemic year, uh, which was not handled great. It was very yeah, public. It, it was stretched out, but I think that different. could be good practice that maybe underscores, you know, and gave that, that precursor to like the necessity to, to get things done. So to me, the uh, difference between the two with COVID, I think the players felt like it was being rammed down their throat. Yes, they wanted to have a baseball season, but it got to the point where there was health concerns. There were legitimate health concerns about trying to force everybody to play when there was so much health uncertainty. Now, when you're talking about extending the contract, let's say eight to 10 years, if you can do what some of the other sports have been able to do, um, if you could do that, it's about money. And I, money speaks louder than anything else. And it's a, it would be in the best interest of both sides to get it done. I am convinced, I won't be told otherwise, that a deal will get done. So there's my, my feeling on that. I'm going to be positive like you always are, 
John on Red's broadcast, you do keep a very positive beat. Do you ever get feedback that you're too positive or no? Uh, yeah, there's some people who who believe it's a put on, who think it's it's fake or insincere. That's really me. Like right. the experience of the viewer uh, to to let you know through the lens and context of my family. Like that's what my wife experiences when I'm watching games. What you're hearing from me, that is that is me. Like that is that is how I take in sport. If I weren't announcing, I wouldn't be talking quite as much. But the experience would be very similar. Yeah, so I, I'll be very honest. So I'm I'm more of the stead, um, stayed. I'm sorry, uh, stayed uh, conservative Midwestern baseball fan. I'm an old timer. I'm 55. Grew up with the big red machine, like I said. So my perspective on hearing broadcasts. When I heard you for the first time, my eyes open. I'm not going to lie. Okay, my eyes open. I'm like, wow, this is a lot different than what the traditional red, the old time Reds fans grew up with. But I've got to tell you that over time to hear somebody who really loves the game and loves the team that they're broadcasting for um, and wants to see them do well, it's refreshing. It really is. Yeah, to me, I mean, the whole point of sport is to have fun, right? Like, that's why we do it. We so don't do it to be sad. We don't do it to, to anticipate the bad. And that's not to say, I, I get it. It's really reflexive. It's built up over time. You know, if you're, if you're, if you precede the disappointment by predicting disappointment, then it doesn't injure you as much. And, and I get that. I totally understand that. Uh, but to me, I'd rather forecast the joy, feel the joy in the moments, look for silver linings, have fun with it. And, and, I also think that's where and why baseball, more than any other sport, because of its relative downtime of ball and play action, affords us that, the chance for conversation that can go beyond the game. That's what we do when we're in the stands, right? Yeah. Like, if, if the game's miserable, if your team is up, down 10 runs, you're already there, you've had a beer, you know, you're having a hot dog, you talk about something else. And, uh, and that's what I, I try and like to do. You know, let's go in some other direction. Now, don't ignore the game. The game is still the star, and the game's going to dictate as stuff happens. But, you know, wrapped around those moments, and you do games long enough, particularly with any one team, you can kind of sense the rhythmic nature of the team. You kind of know when right. there's going to be a very long inning, when there's going to be a short inning, when that moment's going to happen, when to shut up and lay out. Um, and in the time in between, try to be funny, make a joke, have fun, ask somebody something that's not related to baseball, see where it goes. And it, you might be able to tie it right back into the moment in that game. Speaking with John Sadak, the TBT uh, TV play-by-play -play voice of the Cincinnati Reds for Valley Sports Ohio, from the sublime to the ridiculous, the Hall of Fame debate. Uh, John, you, you made a point on the air a couple of weeks ago that I thought was very, very interesting. And that is about the body that elects players to the uh, Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. And obviously, a lot of our viewers and listeners uh, know Roger Clemens, Manny Ramirez. Those are two names that come to mind. Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. The demographics of the uh, Baseball Writers of America is changing to a younger demographic. And you made the point uh, recently about what, how that could impact the way um, these players get in or don't get in explain i think as the voting body gets younger you're going to see two major changes i think number one 
You're going to see a less emotional attachment based upon personal experience with players, uh, which is a significant influence. If the player was combative or reluctant or difficult with media, I do think that has a real impact on, on the voting body. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think you're going to see a bigger embracing of sabermetrics of context within their era beyond pure counting volume numbers of uh, not to sit to discount that there's no value in it there is but there's more than just that um and i i think probably the best example of that is the reds joey Votto. i i think if joey Votto composed his career as it stands 15 years earlier and was already retired he would be swimming upstream some for many of the voters to be a hall of famer I think at his current age in production relative to the here and now of 2021, he is positioned perfectly that, you know, after he's done and his window passes and what that voting body will be at the time, that the rate numbers he put up and what he did relative to what was important and others at his position in his era, I think he will be a deserving and appropriate Hall of Fame player. I think three of the four of the six metrics on uh, baseball reference have him getting in to the hall of fame and i do think he'll get in um the old timers the old school would say yeah but what he did what did he do in the playoffs kind of the uh reflexive uh the corollary of what kurt schilling went through right it's kurt schilling's all about what he did in the postseason whereas i think joey Votto is the more traditional candidate uh because he has put up numbers uh, especially on base numbers uh, that we just haven't seen from that position in a long, long, long time. Yeah, I think I think he was ahead of the curve. I think he still is. You know, it's uh, I, I think he is among the smartest, um, most prepared, truly cerebral players that, that we have ever seen, that he is always um, trying to see where there is a deficit within the game where how, where and how his skill set aligns with that and how to best take advantage of it and uh and by the way he's really friggin' good i mean and look what he's doing now you know 37 years old right i gotta tell you the way he got off to the the start he got off this season uh was not encouraging i mean it, it looked like he was a little bit slow to start but um Ever since he's come back from the uh, injured list, he looks like a different player. He looks refreshed for one thing, and maybe that's all he needed was some time off. Well, the, the one counter I would make, though, is that, you know, he had the, the COVID-related scare in spring training, and that cost him basically three weeks. Yep. He, he really didn't have a spring training. And for somebody who's going through a significant and approach and swing change, as he, you know, started during the course of last year when he sat for those three straight days, but was continuing to be augmented and implemented this year, that had a major impact and then compound that with he was Fair just enough. starting to get going and he broke the thumb where he is right now, I think is where he would have been third week of April. If, you know, he had a normal spring training and didn't have the thumb injury. And then imagine what could have been accomplished to this point. If all of that kind of dominoed, I mean, the game's the game, but you know, he had never had an injury like that thumb injury. And obviously nobody had ever dealt with COVID before COVID. Um, and it interrupted a process in a very process oriented player. You know, he is that chess game five moves ahead guy who knows how long it can take for his body to recognize and be able to actually perform something that's, that's pretty substantial. He looked bigger and stronger to you. Yeah, he looks like he's in amazing shape. I mean, to be honest, I, I wasn't around him, you know, earlier in his career. He looks bigger to me. But he, uh, 
to me, what strikes me is when I do see him in person uh, in just the last couple of weeks, we've been allowed on the field, you know, pregame. Uh, he is an even more physically imposing man in person than he comes across on TV. You know, and he's just in incredible shape. He keeps himself in awesome shape. Um, and, and he uses every ounce of that to, to his advantage, both at the plate. And we've seen him make some pretty big plays in the field, a huge double play in that Cubs series on that yep. leaping grab on that three, six, three, that changed the game. Uh, look, I just think, like you said before, I think uh, not only Joey Votto, but I think this Reds team is one to keep an eye on for the rest of the year. If they can stay healthy, um, the, you know, between Castellanos and Winker, which are obvious. I love watching uh, Jonathan India. I made the point a couple of weeks back that Jonathan India reminds me of Dustin Pedroia. Energy, uh, he's all over the field. Great, great quick feet, uh, quick hands. Uh, and he's just got that passion for the game at the top of the lineup. He's you know, a spark plug. Not only is he a spark plug, but I think he re-energizes the team on those nights in the middle of a season where the team might could be honestly or understandably dragging. Yeah, I think Joey Votto has said that India was the direct inspiration for him in the, the second win that he's had emotionally and his own expressiveness, you know, kind of demonstrating that joy on the field. And uh, yeah, and India and Tyler Stevenson, who's another kind of under the radar rookie on this team, at least going into yesterday, I haven't looked to prepare yet for tonight, uh, they were one and two in on-base percentage among rookies in all of Major League Baseball. And they've both been cold-blooded killers in super high-leverage spots. Yep. It, it looks like no moment is too big for them. And, and they're part of nearly a dozen rookies, Vladimir Gutierrez, Tony Santillan, Alejo Lopez, that have been brought up and thrust into significant moments for this team. And they've delivered it. It's not a one-off, you know, one game. We're talking about months of composed success. India's home run uh, against Mark Melanson was one of the, that would have been arguably the best moment of the first half of the season had they not, you know, given up the four runs in the bottom of the ninth inning. But that's, you know, water under the bridge, as they say, uh, John. And uh, still, uh, that, that game, when we saw that performance from Jonathan India, that kind of speaks of what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's who he is, you know, and he got him a couple of more times later in the series, too. He worked a walk. He had another base hit, both in ninth innings where the Reds were trying to rally uh, against, you know, that, that same baseball leader in saves. Um, you know, and the only times he's lost when he's blown saves this year has been against the Reds, and half of his blown saves have come against the Reds. Um, so th there is that, that pluckiness to this team, um, and, and I think David Bell has been an under-the-radar managerial success, too. He, you know, by his general nature is kind of quiet, understated, um, has a measured long view kind of picture. Uh, he was assailed for the bullpen's failings in the early stage of the year. I would contend that on most of those decisions, I think he made the right choice. It just wasn't executed. And we saw a bit of a carousel and, you know, who populated the bullpen. And oddly enough, with their two best now sidelined yeah. injury and Lucas Sims and TJ Antone, they're actually pitching their best baseball by far of the season for two and a half weeks running now. David Bell deserves credit exactly for that point, John, because, you know, given the fact that you're without your best back-end high-leverage pictures, he has had to mix and match the last four or five games, and they've won all of them. And, you know, he hasn't overexposed anybody. I think there was a, a thought, you know, maybe several weeks back, three or four weeks back, that, 
you know, he was overexposing that bullpen, which happened to be a weakness of the team. And I think he has stepped on the pedal a little bit more with the starters and they've responded and it's shortened uh, the exposure of the uh, bullpen and it's made them more effective. That's my take on that. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I don't know that he could have done that earlier because Luis Castillo up until six right. weeks ago, it, it was not pretty and he was still very much a work in progress. Sonny Gray has dealt with a back issue twice this year at a spring training and again, nearly on the shelf for, for a month, just came back, you know, in the last week. Uh, right. and, and those are two years. Michael Lorenzen still has yet to play, just got transferred to AAA Louisville. Hopefully he might be part of this team in a relief capacity going into the all-star break. Uh, so he was leaning on starters, you know, Jeff Hoffman, who got hurt, struggled a lot with walks, very high pitch count. Tyler Malley, who's had a really good year, sometimes if he doesn't have feel for that slider, you know, he was perfect against the Cubs through, what was it, four innings of like 90 pitches. A every count was going full. And, and I also think the, the biggest wrinkle to this year, and it's not specific to the Reds, this is all of baseball, is teams are in this real uncharted water of what's going to happen with pitchers as they greatly move past their, their pitch uh, numbers or inning count of last year. You know, because of the shortened season, how is that going to affect arm injury? Because the, the only known commodity has always been about the young pitcher. The young pitcher, if you see giant innings jumps, there's a percentage threshold that as you spike it by too much, the injury rate goes up, you know, geometrically higher. So they're always very careful with those younger arms. We don't know how in a seven-year major league veteran, if they throw twice as many innings in one year versus the other? Are they far more likely to get hurt? What kind of injury? How much does that cost at that time? These are guaranteed contracts, let alone the wins and losses that happen or don't without their presence. It has been great talking to you, John. How are you going to spend the all-star break? With your daughter, uh, I hope? <laughs> moving. So uh, we, we close on a house in greater Cincinnati on that Monday. I fly back with my wife and daughter on Tuesday. Uh, our movers come on Wednesday to our home in Delaware in greater Philadelphia. And mm -hmm. then between Wednesday evening and Thursday, we'll be driving back west uh, to Cincinnati. My wife's car is still out east and uh, we'll be getting settled in our, our new home. It's great to have you back here in the Midwest. I'm glad we could both move back to the Midwest at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. I'm with you. Yeah, it's been uh, great. And uh, certainly has been fun listening to you and Barry Larkin, Chris Welsh and the Cowboy, Jeff Brentley do games on Valley Sports Ohio. Uh, you got a great team over there. I don't want to forget Sam LaCour. I don't want to forget Brian Giesenslaw. Uh, it's a great team on Valley Sports Ohio. I, I tune in every night, half hour before every game for the pregame. I watch uh, Reds live after every broadcast. Uh, I learn something new about the Reds every single time I tune in, which means you're doing your job damn well. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. It's uh, it's an honor to have the gig and to call all those men and women teammates uh, and very happy and delighted to be with you as well. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it, John. want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our terrific guest, John Sadak, the one and only TV play-by-play -play voice of the Cincinnati Reds on Valley Sports Ohio. Follow him on Twitter at John Sadak, all one word, J-O-H-N-S-A-D-A. Okay. Also want to thank our terrific sponsor, betonline.ag. I'm Mike Petralia, and for John Sadak, this has been the Red Sox Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media.